and nothing that we um, are given by God that He plants in our hearts comes out pain-free. It's like having children. It doesn't come out pain-free. We, well, you don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that. I can say firsthand, without the drugs, I've seen it, and it didn't look pain-free. I know it was frightening for me <laughs> because Isaac was born at home. Story for another time. Very good story, but for another time. Um, and then the week before that, we, we talked uh, about how his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts isn't a cop-out. It's not, oh, things are going poor, but, you know, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, so it's all good that it, your life is terrible. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, we can trust that he's leading us the right direction, even if things are going bad. We can trust that he's, he's leading us down the path that he would have us go down. And we can trust that not just because he is who he is, but because his word never returns void. And he's planted these things in our hearts. So we're going to take the two and we're going to meld them together tonight. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. He has put treasure in our heart for a purpose and a plan. And that, that treasure sometimes needs to be dug out. And when it gets dug out, it doesn't feel good. But it's for a purpose and it's a plan. And last week we, we, we talked about how Mary, Jesus' mother, she's told that he's the son of God and she treasures it in her heart. And then she's told again that by the shepherds, this, this is the son of God, the savior of the world. And she treasures it in her heart. And then at the temple when Jesus stayed behind teaching people at 12 years old and she freaks out thinking that she's lost her son, her one and only son. He, at the time, her one and only son. He says, she says, I, I, why are you there, Jesus? Why didn't you follow us? And she says, he, Jesus says, didn't, didn't you know that I had to be about my, my father's business? And it says she treasured it in her heart. Well, when she finally drugged the treasure out of her heart and to see that Jesus was the son of God, that he is who he said he was. It, it cost seeing him on the cross, and that was painful. You see, treasure inside of us, promise put inside of us, when it, when it is dug out, it is painful. But only for a time. And only for a short season. So what is the purpose of all this? Why, how do we meld these two things together? And what I want to talk to you about tonight is, is something that, that came to my attention when I went to the Booms house for prayer last Friday night. How God takes us from where we are to where we will be. And how it can be painful at times. And we think, God, where are you? Why aren't you here with me? Why aren't you helping me in this time of stress? Why didn't you take care of this already? When all along, God is actually bringing us to a higher place. God wants to take us to a higher place tonight. He is ready to take us to a higher place. Are we ready to go to a higher place? I want to know, are we ready to go to a higher place? We can do this. We can get to a higher place. Because God sets us upon a higher place. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says this. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. You see... If we take a step towards God, He will always come towards us. If you draw near to God, He will always draw near to you. The problem that we run into is we assume that God wants to meet us down here. 
That God wants to meet us in our pain, in our place of sorrow. You know, God will meet us in our place of sorrow. But sometimes, sometimes, God actually takes us from a low point and brings us to a high point. You want to know why sometimes we feel more pain when we feel like we should be feeling less pain? It's because we're actually being taken to the, from, from, from down here to the front line. You see, Jesus is at the front line. Jesus is fighting a battle for us at the front line. The Holy Spirit is fighting a battle for us, through us, at the front line. And the front line isn't always in, in the point of our pain, even though we feel like it is. Actually, what's happening is we feel like we're down here, and we feel like God's up there, and we feel like that He doesn't have anything to do with what we're doing right now, and He doesn't have any concern. And in all actuality, He is taking us from here to there. And it's painful. And it hurts. And it doesn't make sense. If, if you could grasp this one thing tonight, if you could grasp this one purpose that God has for us, that we fight with Him here, not here. If you could do that, the next time you go through a tough time, it's going to feel different. It's going to seem different. It's not going to feel like, man, this is for nothing. Because Satan would like you to, to think nothing more than the pain that you go through, the hard times that you encounter, is for nothing. Ask anybody. This, this, is, this is a truth. I asked Becky about this just to make sure that I wasn't making it up. She's told me this before. She said to me, I, would, I have an easier time dealing with headaches if I feel like there's a purpose to it. If I feel like that there's a master plan to it. If I feel like that, that God is using it for some reason and some purpose. Because if I think that way, if I feel that way, then it doesn't hurt as bad. The worst migraine she's ever had. She had to get to a point where she was, as long as this is for a reason. And I was very against that whole thought process. I was like, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. There's no reason and purpose to pain. God doesn't want to use pain to teach you a lesson. And, and God opened up my eyes. He doesn't give us pain. He doesn't put it upon us so that we learn a lesson. But to, to go from this point to that point, it causes pain. Because we're being brought to the front line. Now I ask you this. Is it possible? Is it feasible? That God actually is shielding us from the full amount of pain. That God is actually keeping us from, from what Satan's true design is. And while we're fighting with him, not down here, but up here, we are actually doing battle at the same time. The reason why we feel pain, the reason why we go through hard times, is because we are actually doing battle against the same principalities, the same dark things that, that he is doing battle with. And if you think for a second that there isn't something up there that would like to do harm to us, I, you are, are very, very, very mistaken. Satan wants nothing more than to destroy us. And if you turn to Ephesians... Ephesians chapter 6, I want to read to you about what's happening in, in uh, heavenly places. No, I turned to the wrong spot. Where am I? Oh, I see what I did. I turned to Revelations. Not there yet. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10 says this. Actually, no. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. I get it. All right, Ephesians 
chapter 2. It says this in verse 6. It says, let's start in verse 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, we've been made alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised, he's raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then if you turn to chapter 6, verse 10, I want to read this. Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, notice here real quick, and it's easy to look at this scripture and just say, oh, God's telling us that our battle isn't against other people. Let me ask you, are we flesh and blood? We are. So if the battle is not against flesh and blood, guess what the battle is also not against? It's not against ourselves. So many times when we come under some type of attack, we try to yell at our own bodies. Body, line up with this. Body, do that. Body, you're, you're battling against this, wondering why this isn't obeying that. Why your body doesn't want to obey God's word. When in reality, the fight is going on in heavenly places. You see, the battle that you feel in your body, the battle that we feel in our body, is happening in a heavenly place, in a heavenly realm. And it says at the beginning of Ephesians that we are what? That we are set with him in heavenly places. It says that when we accept Christ, when we accept the call to battle, when we move forward in what God has for us, we are raised up into heavenly places with him. Even though we're here, even though we deal with the day-to-day, -day, we are in heavenly places with God. And in heavenly places with him, there is a battle raging. So it's important that we stop focusing on what's going on here. And we start focusing on, Lord, why do I feel this in regards to the battle? You see, we feel things in regards to the battle. That's just fact. That's just war, war 101 is what? Pain. A battle. It's not... Oh, God's doing the battle for us and we just are dealing with our own stuff. No, we're, we're dealing with stuff because there's a battle going on. And this is what happens. When you feel pain in regards to battle, you automatically assume that the pain has something to do with our own physical body. My wrist hurts really bad tonight. I, I was going to play the guitar and I didn't because it just hurts that bad. Isn't that interesting? That The thing that I can do to praise God is play the guitar. That's what I like to do. I love to play the guitar. It's fun to play the guitar. It's fun to worship God playing the guitar. Has anybody ever seen me have fun worshiping God playing the guitar? It looks like I'm having more fun playing the guitar worshiping than I am anything else. Why is it that my wrist hurts tonight of all nights and last night of all nights when, when it was going to be a, a situation where I could play the guitar and I could worship? Well, because there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. 
Is it that my wrist isn't healed and that God doesn't care? No, it's because we're in heavenly places. And this heavenly monster is opposed to what God's will is. And, and me and God are fighting against it. And I feel it. I feel the pain. I feel the battle. I feel as though Satan does not want me to do what I am called to do. So here, you know, I've, I've had my wrist prayed for before. And after I've had it prayed for, it stopped hurting. For a long time, it stopped hurting. So it's easy for me to, to get to this point, and all of a sudden I'm having pain again, and, and Satan tells me, see, you were never healed in the first place. You are actually going to deal with this pain forever. When the reality is this, me and God are punching the devil right in the nose. And my wrist is a little sore because he's taking a beating. You see, we're in pain because the devil is actually taking a butt kicking right now for me and Jesus. So you know what? Next time you have pain, ask him this. Next time you have struggle, ask him this. Lord, what is this struggle for? What are we actually up against right now? Why is it that I hurt right now? Is there something specific that we are battling? Because he will show you what you are battling. He will show you. you know, we, talked, we talked about binding and loosing, right? Whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. What is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, it's easy to say, I bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. But you know what we refuse to do? We, we refuse sometimes to ask God what he would like to loose. You see, it's, it's our responsibility to loose things as well in heaven. It says, whatever you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you will loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Sometimes we're good at the binding, good at the binding the enemy. I bind that and I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. But we're not so good at the asking God, God, what would you like to unleash? What would you like to loose in place of that enemy? Because it's, it's worthless to bind the enemy if you're not going to unleash heaven on whatever that is. And sometimes we just, we just think that God's in charge of that. Jesus is up there doing the battle. We're down here, not in heavenly places. We're on earthly places, and we're not, we're not connected. We need to be connected. He needs to take us to that higher place. That place above where he sees all things, where his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. But it's our responsibility to ask him what his ways are and unleash those ways on earth. Unleash it on earth. So I ask you, next time you go through a little bit of pain or a lot of bit of pain, ask him, ask him, what shall I, what, I, I know what to bind, Lord. Bind the enemy. What shall I unleash in its place? Because I, I would venture to guess that the enemy is going to start to back off a little bit. That the pain, whether because you're focused on the battle or you're focused on Jesus, it will become different. You see, that's what drawing into him is about. You see, we always assume that drawing near to him means he's drawing near to us down here. No, when we draw near to him, he takes us from here to there. That's drawing near to him. That's how we draw near to our Lord and Savior. And sometimes... We're right in the middle of a battle. One of my favorite Old Testament stories was Daniel. I've talked about it many times. Daniel, he, he did these amazing things for God, but every time he came out of something amazing for God, he, he was put right into a situation where God's glory could shine, where God could do something special. And God always had this way with Daniel where he would talk to him through visions and dreams and while he prayed and asked God about what those visions and dreams were, God would speak to him. It wasn't just, Daniel, here's this wonderful, beautiful dream that makes absolutely no sense. Deal with it and get back to me later. Every single time, 
He had a vision and a dream. It perplexed him to the point where he put his face towards God. You know, I had, this, I had the weirdest dream. I've told a handful of everybody here about this dream. I think at least five or six of you. I had this weird dream that I got a tattoo. And it was right here. And it was a Christian fish. It was just a little blue Christian fish. Everybody knows what the Christian fish is, right? Does everybody know where the Christian fish came from? History lesson 101. I'll give it to you real quick. Christian fish, in the early church, they were hiding. They were scared that Rome was going to do them harm. They were scared that someone else... All the people in that area were persecuting Christians. Rome was persecuting Christians. So most of the church was in hiding at different points of the New Testament for the first 60 years of the church. So what they would do is they would go up and in conversation to try to figure out if someone else was a Christian, they would, uh, they would just look like they were playing in the dirt and they would make half the Christian fish. And if the other person reciprocated and finished the fish, they would know that it was safe to talk to that person about Jesus. That it was safe. A place of safety. So the fish, the Christian fish... It's a picture of, of safety for the church. It, it, was, it, it gave them a, 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 a feel of safeness. And I, as I got this tattoo in this dream, I was excited about it for whatever reason. I don't know why. I'm not a tattoo person, but I was happy about it. I was like, check it out. I got this tattoo. It's a Christian fish. And I get home. I'm not opposed to tattoos, by the way. I just, honestly, I'll be just completely honest, my arm is pretty much hairy from here all the way to here. If I got a tattoo, it would be very disgusting to look at. Unless it was a Chewbacca. Chewbacca right there, or a bear, or some type of animal. That would be okay. That would Because it would look normal. It would be like, oh look, he's got a, a 3D tattoo of a bear on his arm. Right? So that's one reason why I wouldn't get a tattoo. I'd never show it off. So as I'm looking at this Christian fish, I'm like, that looks pretty good. And then all of a sudden I look down again and it's a sword. And I'm like, that's not what I got on my arm. This fish has turned into a sword. And I, I will be quite clear, honest with you, not clear, I'll be honest with you. It's perplexed me. I've thought about it. Every day I've thought about it from that day till today. And I always, I, Landon's given me advice. He says, you know what? God's making you into warrior. And I'm like, man, I was so looking forward to some peace though. I was so looking forward to, to the, oh, we can, we, can, we can very, we can hide Jesus. We can be, go slyly up to people and, and talk to, about, about Jesus to people in a, in a very friendly way, in a very quiet way. And, and the fact of the matter is, is you're right, Landon. Christianity isn't about hiding right now. It's about being open. And the mentality that's changing now is we're going to take the things that we've learned over the last two years and we're going to start to put them into practice. We're going to start going out and seeing what the battle has brought. We're going to go dig the treasure out, see what we find. In our personal lives, we're going to dig the treasure out and see what we find. In, in the church, we're going to go out into these neighborhoods and we're going to see what we find. It's time to go on the offensive a little bit. It's time for the Christian fish to be on the offensive a little bit. We've had time to, to learn, and, and we've learned a lot of good things, but now it's time to move forward. But I, I'm telling you, when, when you reach that point when we move forward where you feel like you're not feeling good, where you feel like Satan's attacking you, ask God, is this part of the battle? If this is part of the battle, if I bind it, what should I loose in heaven on, onto this situation? How should I move forward? 
Do I move forward in, in a timid way where I can be quiet and I have to talk to people about Christ in a manner that, that is, is gentle? Because we're going to be put in both of those situations. I guarantee it. But being brought from here to there isn't just about battle. Being brought from here to there is more than just a battle. It's more than just fighting against our enemy. Although, it's important to fight against our enemy because as you saw, it, it, I remember reading Ephesians again because I think it's important that we understand how to gird ourselves and protect ourselves. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in, the, and in His strength and His might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist the devil and having done everything to stand firm stand firm therefore having gird your loins with truth the breastplate of righteousness having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace in addition to all this take up the shield of faith which you will be able to extinguish all flaming missiles of the evil one yeah, listen to that what does that sound like Sounds like we need to gird ourselves up. Why? Because the things the enemy is throwing at us are concussed. They hurt. A missile coming in at you, even if it misses you, will cause you great pain. Even if you don't get hit by the shrapnel, the concussion caused from missiles is painful. I think it's interesting that it, it doesn't say rocks, darts. It says missiles because the enemy wants to do us harm we need to remember as, as we're going through this every day every day every day we should get up and say Lord prepare me for this battle whether you feel like it's going to be a day of battle or not you should ask the Lord to prepare yourself for battle putting on the breastplate of righteousness having the shield of faith having your feet ready to preach the gospel that's what's going to, to protect us in this battle with, with him. You see, we don't, we don't need to stay down here and guard ourselves as something coming at us. No, we're up there. We're fighting the battle with him. We have the armor on. We're ready to go. We're slicing and we're dicing. We're taking care of business. But all this time, something else is happening. Something else is taking place in the heavenly. And if you don't know this, if you don't actively seek this during the battle. If you don't take time to stop and listen, listen to what the Lord says to you in the midst of the battle, you'll miss one of the most important pieces of this whole thing that's going on in the heavenlies. If you open your Bibles up to Revelations, I want to I share with you something that's very interesting to me. Revelations chapter 3, verse 20. This is Jesus talking to John. The beloved, his apostle, his disciple. He's getting ready to share with him great, wonderful visions about what's going to happen in our day and age at this time and at times that go before us. He's getting ready to unleash an amazing word to him. But listen to what he says in verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him and will dine with him and him with me. 
He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcome and sat down with my Father on his throne. You see, when we overcome, when we overcome in a battle, there comes a point, there comes a time, there comes a place up there in the heavenlies that we actually sit down with God on his throne. And he shares with us secrets, vision, plans, for for our future, not for the battle. We're doing the battle. You know, he will give us what we need in the battle. We need to get past the point where we're looking for what we need to do in the battle and just battle. We're in the battle. Let's do the battle. Let's do the work. Let's get it done. And know that while we're in the battle, he's not going to show us strategically. He's, He's got a plan. All we need to do is follow. That's the plan. Follow Christ. If he moves, you move. Every time. If you feel a move, you move. And you want to know, this is probably the scariest part for me. When God moves in this church service from here on forward, we're going to move. If that means throw everything out, we worship for the whole night, we're going to move. If that means that it happens until 11 o'clock at night, you know what? People are allowed to come and go as they please. I'm going to stay here till 11 o'clock at night, and I'm going to do what the Spirit does. Because I want to be where He is. I want to do what He's doing. That's where the battle's at. But past the battle. What's past the battle? There's a throne. There's a throne up there. And he who overcomes sits on that throne. People have always assumed that this is just talking about what happens after it's all said and done. No, that's not, that's not what this is talking about. That's not the only thing that's happening here. Because if you, if you go on, it says, he who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And in, in chapter 4, it says, says this. This is what happened directly after he hears Jesus say this. It says, After these things, I looked up and behold the door standing open to me in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here. And I will show you what must take place after these things. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was standing before me in heaven. And one sitting on that throne. You see, after John had overcome. After he got to a place where the battle was ending. He, he, got, he, he had visions. God was giving him vision after vision after vision as what was going to happen. Instruction after what all the churches at that time were supposed to be doing. All the churches on the earth at that time, he gave each and one of them an instruction. He said, this church, do this. That church, do that. Please be about these things. This was a battle, a time of battle, a time of warfare. After the warfare, the voice said, come up here. Let me show you what must come next. When we're in a battle, when we get done with the battle and we're on the throne with him, he shows us what comes next. Why? Why do we need to know what comes next? Why is it important that we know what happens after this? Because we need to know how to pray for that area over there. We need to know when we come up against that next problem, how we handle it. We need to understand, not just for us, but for generations to come, what comes next. Did you know that if God tarries, if the Lord Jesus Christ does not come back in the next 50 years, it would be a waste if I didn't have something for my children to look forward to. Based on what I saw God show me about my future about their future, about our future. That's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for a future. We do this battle, we do all these things. At the end of it, there's a throne. On the throne, there's a God. 
And that God wants to show us what happens next. What happened next did not affect John, not even a little. Everything that John saw from that vision, from the, yeah, everybody's seen Revelation, read through some of Revelations, right? can be confusing. It's, it, it, there's, there's riddle. There's portions to it that you read it and you know that it's for this time. It's for this day. John talks about great big huge locusts that make sounds like the clopping of horses and it sounds like helicopters. You hear about ships and you hear about wars and you hear about famines and you hear about all these things that he saw that happened now. Why does that have to do with anything for him? Why? Because he left a legacy for us. He left a plan for us. He left something for us to look at. It's, it, it's very simple. God gives us the vision for the, for the future because it gives us authority. It gives us authority to move forward in the future that he has for us. But it also leaves a legacy. If there's one thing that I would like to leave for my children, it's a legacy. My parents left, have left me a legacy. They've moved forward in ministry. I've seen them do ministry from the time I was eight years old to this very day. I watched them minister. I remember how it looks to see the Spirit of God fall. On Saturday night, the Spirit of God fell. Very similar in the way that he, he fell when I was young. It felt the same. It tasted the same. And I looked at it and all I could see was legacy. The legacy put forward by God-fearing parents pushing through a vision, pushing through a time of, of newness for them, stepping out of the boat, moving into a different portion of their ministry. And it felt like it did when I was eight years old. It felt brand new. It felt like, here we go. Here we go again. But now I understand something that I didn't understand then. I have the ability to take that legacy and use it tonight. Loose it on earth as it is in heaven. You know, they fought for it. They saw things that I've never seen. They saw a future that I knew nothing about. They saw the plans of the Lord and fought against the plans of the enemy. We can fight against the plans of the enemy until we, until we die. It's never going to stop. But if we, if we lose focus on this one thing, the plans of the enemy that we're fighting against, are we're fighting against so that we can get a picture of the future, so that we can move forward while we're fighting. That's what we're doing right now, and that's why it hurts. That's why it's difficult. That's why it feels from time to time that you're not healed. That's why Satan comes in and says, you're not healed. You're not healed. Aren't you disappointed? Don't you feel terrible that you felt like God was doing this amazing thing and you got a touch and, and now here we are again. It's time for us to throw that back in his face and say, yeah, here we are again. Let's do this thing. You, you, you think my pain is bad. I must feel something because you're coming at me pretty hard. But if I'm feeling pain, that means that via Jesus, you and me, we're battling. And I am going to win this battle. When you know that you're going to win the battle, let's, let's, let's face it, <laughs> Revelations, it, it tells us we win the battle. Doesn't that make you feel good inside? We win the battle. Amen. Satan can do whatever he wants, but guess what? We win the battle. That's why John saw what he saw. Because he knew that there was going to be a time that was difficult. He told us how difficult the time was going to be. He told us there was going to be earthquakes and famine and hurt and, and pain and sickness and sorrow. But he said, we win. 
and because we win, we can ignore those things. It's time for us to ignore the enemy. It's time for us to ignore how much it hurts. It's time for us to ignore the fact that he thinks he's winning. Is there anything more demoralizing than when you're playing somebody at a video game or you're playing somebody in a basketball or, or hockey or whatever sport it is and it doesn't even seem like they're trying? Yet they're kicking the pants out of you. They're kicking the heck out of you. Every time you turn around, it's just getting worse. That's what the enemy is about to feel. It's time for us to ignore him a little bit. Take the authority that we have and walk forward in the future that God has granted us. How? Take time to sit on the throne with him in the battle. Don't, 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 don't draw away from him just because it feels like he's not there or he let you down. He hasn't. He hasn't let you down. If anything, you and him have been through an amazing battle and he wants you just to sit on his lap in his throne so that he can show you the future. Heck, you paid for it. You might as well look at it. You paid for it. You paid for, for, to see that. You paid to be a part of that with your blood, your sweat, and your tears, your time. Don't, don't turn away from it. Let's take a peek. Let's see what he's doing. Lord Jesus, right now, I just praise you. I thank you. I ask you, I ask you to remind me that as I am going through battle, I'm not battling to get to you. You and I are battling together against an enemy. Right now, Lord Jesus, I ask as we worship a little bit longer that this would be a throne room time. I'm available to pray for people if they want me to pray for them. But if you just want to spend time with you and the Lord, throne room time. It's time. We've got past a battle. And right now, he, he's asking you. He's saying, sit with me for a few minutes. Let me show you what must come next. Come up here with me so I can show you what happens after these points. He won't disappoint. He will not disappoint. Show us, Lord, as we worship. Show us, Lord.